This is a Galactic Network podcast. Galactic Radio. I'm Dave Nelson, and here's the news. The Hollywood Reporter is saying that Warner Brothers is in the early stages of developing a relaunch of The Matrix, the 1999 movie with Zach Penn and talks to write a treatment for it. Sources say there's a potential interest in Michael B. Jordan to star, but much has to be done before the project is ready to go. The idea of adapting The Matrix as a TV series was nixed in recent months, but Warner Brothers sees a model in what Disney and Lucasfilm have done with Star Wars, exploring the hidden corners of the universe with movies such as Rogue One or the upcoming Young Han Solo film. Penn is a writer with deep roots in the geeky genres in which The Matrix travels. He created the sci-fi network's super-powered show Alphas and has been involved in comic book movies ranging from the X-Men franchise to the Avengers. Virtual reality production studio Unlimited announced at South by Southwest this week that it's working on the world's first interactive sci-fi TV show. Trinity will be a series set in the future where humanity has long become extinct with only a few surviving androids left on Earth. The story follows the robotic resistance as they take a stand against the all-powerful singularity threatening to destroy them. According to the company, viewers will be able to move around inside an episode in a way that's never been done before. The live-action series will be split into five 15-minute episodes and will be released on all available virtual reality platforms. Coming up, Congress gives NASA a shot in the arm. Welcome to the Movie Man's Movie Minute. Today we're taking a look at the 1976 version of King Kong, the story of a petrol company looking for more petrol on an isolated island, and instead they discover a gigantic gorilla which they capture and bring back to the States to exploit and make money off of. But Kong has other ideas, and soon we find him running rampant through the streets of New York. Folks, this version of King Kong is not the strongest, and there are many people out there that will say it's the worst. I highly think that this film is campy and there is fun to be had in here, not only in the performances by Jeff Bridges as well as Jessica Lange, but in the amazing special effects that they did for 1976. While some of these effects may seem a bit dated, for back then they were pretty amazing and this film was a hit. So if you are a Kong fan, you may want to check it out. You may want to see what a 1976 version of the big gorilla may look like like, but those for the casual fans may find this a little tough to swallow. Hey folks, if you want to catch more of my reviews, head on over to SpecialMarkProductions.com or catch me on the Twitter at SpecialMarkPro. Now, let's go to space. For the first time in more than six years, both chambers of Congress passed a bill that approves funding for NASA and gives the space agency new mandates. The NASA Transition Authorization Act of 2017 which appropriates $19.5 billion to the agency, creates a roadmap for getting humans near or on the surface of Mars in the 2030s. It also calls on the space agency to continue developing the space launch system and the Orion space capsule in order to eventually go to the moon, Mars, and beyond. The previously planned asteroid redirection mission, which aimed to bring an asteroid into a closer Earth orbit and then send a crew to visit it, is now officially unlikely to happen. An unmanned moon mission is scheduled for 2018 and a manned mission to follow in 2021. Thanks to Yahoo News for that story. From Scientific American, the ocean beneath the icy shell of Saturn's moon Enceladus rises nearly to the surface in some places, a new study suggests. 
Measurements by NASA's Cassini spacecraft indicate that as little as two kilometers of ice may cover the ocean in the moon's south polar region. According to a project scientist at the European Space Agency, this discovery opens new perspectives to investigate the emergence of habitable conditions. In 2005, Cassini discovered jets of water ice, organic molecules and other material blasting into space from fissures near the south pole of Enceladus. Scientists think this stuff is coming from the underground ocean, which is believed to be in contact with the rocky mantle of the moon. Up next, Sony surprises with a new movie announcement. Hello, I'm Gregor Sprague, and this is Galactic Radio's Pull List, and these are just a few of the comics coming out for the week of March 15th, 2017. DC Comics has Green Lantern's number 19, written by Sam Humphreys, with art by Roman Cliquette. The Green Impurity, Part 1. Simon helps Jessica find a guardian of the universe to train her, as the rogue guardian called Rami begins his lessons. But they may not be enough to stop Valthum's influence over the lanterns as his obsession with controlling Jessica again grows. Trinity number seven, written by Francis Manipal with art by Clay Mann. Divided we fall prelude. America is divided, and now a hero has fallen, and it may split the country even more. Can Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman stand against riots while defending a bigoted enemy? Don't miss the beginning of an epic adventure that will test the ideals of our three heroes. Out of Image Comics, we have Casanova Acadia number eight, written by Matt Fraction and Michael Chabon, with art by Fabio Moon and Gabriel Bach. Flashback to when things started getting weird. You can check out sketch pages by Fabio Moon and read The Metanauts by Michael Schbone and Gabriel Ba in the physical comic available at your local comic book shop. I Hate Fairyland number 11. Story and art by Scotty Young. New story arc, Con Girl. Gertrude is back in her hit comedy fantasy all-out bloodbath of a comic, I Hate Fairyland. Gert and Larry take a break from their normal questing and killing for some fun at Fairyland's annual Dungeon Con. And Marvel Comics has Uncanny Avengers number 21, written by Jerry Duggan with art by Kevin Libranda. The fight to stop the Red Skull spills out of Avengers Mansion and into the streets. Rogue's Gambit works. When the Red Skull gains the upper hand, Deadpool gets help from a few pals, and it slides out for one Avenger. U.S. Avengers number 4, written by Al Ewing, with art done by Paco Medina. Do you hate tie-ins with a fiery passion, true believer? Well, this isn't one. It's a complete epic event. In 20 pulse-pounding pages, in the wake of Monsters Unleashed, even more monsters, because you probably will have demanded it. Red Hulk, American Kaiju, Van Doom. The man who made a creature, and would you believe a dude named Deadpool? The mercenary that walks like a man. And my pick of the week is Daredevil number 18, written by Charles Sewell, with art by Ron Garney. The final chapter in the autobiography of Matt Murdock is written by someone who may surprise you. Not everyone survives this phase in Daredevil's life. Find out who lives who dies, and who is changed forever. Well, these are just a few of my picks. You can find these and more at your local comic book shop. I would highly recommend getting Casanova Acadia in your local comic book shop for that bonus issue there. And if there is no local comic book shop around you, you can find all these on Comixology. I'm Gregor Sprague. This has been The Pull List. Dave, what is up next, my friend? Thanks, Gregor. According to ComingSoon.net, Sony Pictures has just announced the release date for their long-rumored Venom movie for October 5th, 2018. 
When it was first reported last year that the studio was planning a film about the villainous Spider-Man symbiote, they said it would not tie into Sony's web-slinging franchise, now set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, whether or not those plans have changed remains to be seen. First appearing in the comic book series as an alien costume worn by Spider-Man in 1984, it was several years before the creature left Peter Parker and merged with photographer Eddie Brock, forming the anti-hero known as Venom. Since then, the character has appeared in a variety of different forms and bonded with several other hosts. From Marvel to DC now, according to Variety's Justin Crawl, because director Matt Reeves will be working on War for the Planet of the Apes until the end of June, his next movie, The Batman, won't begin production until 2018 at the earliest, meaning it won't make its rumored release date of next year. Now it's being reported that the movie is being rewritten from the ground up, following news last month that the studio was eyeing a fresh start. Star and former director Ben Affleck and Jeff Johns from DC Comics were among those working on the first version of the screenplay, which reportedly featured Batman facing off against Deathstroke. Just ahead in our final news segment, what is the most popular social network for millennials? Stick around to find out. Welcome to today's applicably galactic app reviews. So your cousin is getting married next year in Hawaii, but you live on the mainland, or you live in Derby, and you want to go see the Kentucky Derby? Unless you're a strong, and I mean strong swimmer, you'll need a plane ticket. We all know that prices for flights will fluctuate from now until then. When should you buy? The Hopper app will tell you when. Tell the app your departure and arrival airports, and the app will show you a color-coded calendar for prices for economy flights during the next 10 to 11 months. Green for the best, amber for so-so, and red for high-priced days. Even better, tell Hopper to watch your dates, and it will message you when prices change, and whether you should buy now or wait. And because the developers are in an accredited travel agency, you can book your flights directly through the app. Not only that, after you buy your tickets, they'll keep you up to date with your trip details until you're back. Available for both Apple and Android devices, Hopper is a great travel companion. I'm Peter Fisher from Blazing Caribou's I'd App That, and this has been today's Applicably Galactic App Review! Back to the news. The Nintendo Switch has been tough to get a hold of recently because the stock has been so low, but according to TechRadar.com, Nintendo is doubling the amounts of units it was going to produce, now 16 million, between April of this year and March of 2018. In comparison, the Wii U in its entire lifespan has sold around 13.56 million units. The Switch landed with mostly positive reviews, but there has been some criticism of its build quality. It also launched with very few games, but that will change with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Super Mario Odyssey, and a new FIFA title, all which have massive fan bases being released in the next year. And finally, CNET is reporting that Snapchat is the go-to social media app for college students. 58% of those surveyed by Lend.edu, an online marketplace, said they opened Snapchat first. Compared to 27% who choose Instagram, 13% who said Facebook, and the 2% who opt for LinkedIn. The data is welcome news for Snap, its parent company, which went public earlier this month whose stock price has been in steady decline since the first day in the market, losing more than 26% in the two weeks after its IPO. 
Hello, I'm Daryl, and this is Random Fandom, a celebration of people's passions. In 1967, science fiction editor Arthur W. Sahar applied the term Trekkies when he saw a few fans of the first season of Star Trek, the original series, wearing pointy ears at the 25th World Science Fiction Convention. On that particular day, series creator Gene Roddenberry showed a print of a mock time to the convention. The first Star Trek fanzine, Spockanalia, appeared in September 1967, including the first published fanfiction based on the show. Roddenberry, who was aware of and encouraged such activities, a year later estimated that 10,000 wrote or read the fanzine. The first fan convention devoted to the show occurred on the 1st of March 1969 at the Newark Public Library, organised by a librarian who was one of the creators of Spocknalia. The Star Trek con itself didn't have any celebrity guests, but it did show slideshows of Trek aliens, skits and a fan panel to discuss the phenomenon that is Star Trek. The Trekkie phenomenon itself did not come to the attention of the general public until after the show was cancelled in 1969. The first widely publicised fan convention occurred in January 1972 at the Statler Hilton Hotel in New York. It featured Roddenberry, Isaac Asimov and two tons of NASA memorabilia. Now some actors such as Nichelle Nichols were unaware of the size of the show's fandom, that is until the conventions. Major and minor casts began attending them all around the states. 6,000 attended the 1973 New York convention and 15,000 attended in 1974. Much larger figures than at older events like the 4,500 at the 32nd Worldcon in 74. By then, the demand for, from Trekkies was large enough that rival convention organisers began to sue each other. The first UK convention was held in 1974 and featured special guests George Takai and James Doohan. After this, there was an official British convention yearly. Now there's considerable disagreement among the Star Trek fans over whether the use Trekkie or Trekker. Some say that Trekkie is frequently depreciative, thus not an acceptable term to serious fans who prefer Trekker. The distinction existed as early as May 1970 when the editor of fanzine Deck 6 wrote in the 1991 TV show Star Trek uh, 25th Anniversary Special, Leonard Nimoy attempted to settle this issue by stating the term is Trekker. 2009 film Fanboys made frequent references to Star Trek and the rivalry between Trekkies and Star Wars fans. The Trek fandom was notably fast to use the World Wide Web. The Guardian's Damien Walter jokes that 50% of the early World Wide Web that wasn't pornography was made up of Star Trek The Next Generation fan sites. So ladies and gentlemen, in celebration, I give you the Trekkers. Keep trekking on, chaps. Keep trekking on. The backing music to Random Fandom 
was kindly provided by the Feslian Studios. Now my own particular fandom is Doctor Who. Join me each week on the Galactic Network for Who Knew and Review. Thanks for joining us again for another edition of Galactic Radio. I'm Dave Nelson. You can follow me on Twitter at Dave Nelson Voice. Have a great week. Talk to you again next time. Monkey Warhol provided our music and Blazing Caribou did the cover art. For more about them, show notes, feedback information, how to subscribe, social network links and more, go to gncasts.com slash galactic radio. This has been a Galactic Network podcast.